Thank you for joining with us this month about this invitation into the divine. And so as we have talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and his work in our life, we were able to talk about the person, the promise, the power, and today I want to share with you about the presence of the Holy Spirit and what that means for those of us that have come to know Christ and maybe for those of you that are are looking for what a relationship of Christ is all about, how meaningful the presence of the Holy Spirit is in that. Galatians chapter 5 tells us this, that since we live by the Spirit, those of us that have committed our lives to Christ, we realize that the Spirit of God comes. He is invited into our life. And so since we live by the Spirit, then let us keep step with the Spirit. And so for many of you, maybe the whole idea of what the Holy Spirit does for the believer or for the church is still maybe somewhat of a mystery or not fully understood. So we've taken this entire month to help us to understand this wonderful gift that God has given to us, that Jesus promised upon his leaving that he would give to us today. I think one of the more challenging questions that I get as a pastor throughout my time is how do we receive guidance from God? It often comes in the form, Pastor, how do I know the will of God? And here's what I want you to hear with me this morning. The fact is, is that when we look in Scripture, that God has always guided his people. Say that word always with me, right? Always. Come on, say it again. Always. God has always guided his people. And the work for us today in this New Testament time that we are living in is that God leads us, God guides us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we look back in Scripture, we often see that sometimes that guidance is dynamic. In the book of Exodus, we read of of Moses coming in contact with the presence of God at the burning bush. And he described it as a a bush that was completely engulfed in flames, but yet it was not being consumed. The Bible tells us that as the Hebrew children were, were escaping out of Egypt, that they had a large pillar of fire that led them by night and this, this massive cloud that directed them during the day. Sometimes the guidance, we would say, was maybe ironic. If you remember the story of Balaam, that he wasn't hearing from God, and so God enabled a donkey to talk and and to communicate so that he recognized that something of the extraordinary was taking place. And maybe could I ask all of us today, how many of you are glad that God didn't have a giant fish ready to swallow you every time you didn't do what he asked you to do? Hello? That the guidance of the Holy Spirit seemed to be almost a daily occurrence. That the church of the New Testament was hungry and open for the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead them and to guide them and to direct them every day. They hungered and thirsted more for the Holy Spirit. But I think the rub is this for those of us living in the 21st century. As much as we read scripture and we understand that so much of it appears so normal or clear when we read the Bible, yet it can still be challenging for us today. How many agree, right? You say, Pastor, when I think about the will of God or, or, or God speaking to me or God guiding me or God directing me, it, it seems so natural or normal in Scripture, but I still struggle in the moments of, of accepting or receiving the guidance or the direction of God and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and so we've been taking these weeks to help us to understand that God always, again, remember that, God always leads his people. And so that when we ask him and we 
find ourselves stepping into the pathway that God has for us, we can do it with great assurance that God is going to be with us. I realize today that we are living in a time right now where a lot of people are asking, what is happening in our world? What is God about to do? We're hearing maybe things on radio, on television, on podcasts, where there is a buzz that seems to be centered out of what is happening in the Middle East right now. And, and we're hearing a lot of different things that are coming to light. Maybe some are, are talking to you about biblical prophecy that is now coming to light right before our very eyes. And for some of you, you may be still unaware or unsure that God is wanting to lead his people, not only Israel, but his church, amidst these very challenging and difficult times. You know, for something that was a little bit maybe more normal or understanding for me and my process in, in faith, I grew up in a what we today would call a, a, an evangelical church where the, the idea of the signs of the times, of, of things that were happening in the world, missed the moment to recognize that you all didn't grow up the way I grew up. You didn't all attend the church that, that I grew up. And, and maybe you grew up in a church where they didn't really address the prophetic or, or the prophecies of Scripture or understanding when you hear people talk about that some of these things are, are coming to pass today. I, I've told you over and over that I meet with a bunch of guys every morning and, and ride bikes. And, and, and as they are older than me, they also have, most of them are, are, are of another faith. And, and so we oftentimes just talk about sometimes either the differences or, or the practices that, that they have grown up with. And, and what's different? Jim, do you do this? Or, or, or is this the way your, your church operates or runs? And, and I was thinking even this past week to realize how, how many people are, I mean, where is it in their heart of, of unfolding? For those of us that maybe grew up in this way, you know, maybe we wake up kind of buzzed every morning realizing, wow, we're, we're watching some things that, that we've heard about for years and years and years, taking another step closer to coming to reality. And so I asked one of my friends this week, and I said, talk to me about growing up, or he happened to be in a, in a Catholic church. And I said, did you hear messages or, or direction about end times or, or the prophetic or, uh, I mean, what we're seeing in Israel and these wars that, like, what does that mean to you? And, and he had no answer for me. Uh, the, the most that he, he said, I, I know that there are things that we heard about that were in the New Testament, and I, I know that there is a revelation book, but, but never grew up 70-something years old without ever some direction or truth of the prophetic or the work of the Holy Spirit in these end times. And I recognize that it may be brought to light that, that maybe there are more of you even in this room today that are saying, Pastor, I, I maybe have little bits or parts or, or maybe where I grew up or, or what uh, ministry that we were under that, again, there was never an attention or understanding to what might be happening in our world today. And so whether you are for your individual life today or maybe our world at large, I think one of the biggest lessons we need to learn is that are we listening and seeing the signs that are happening around us? Are we ready to receive God's guidance and his direction for his will in our life, even in these challenging and troubling times? And here's the key, I think, that, that where some of that disconnect can happen you see, we often limit God's guidance in our lives because as God communicates to us, he will only do so to the extent that you invite him to do so. 
And that's why our entire series has been entitled An Invitation into the Divine. And so we recognize that God's guidance at times can be limited to us to the extent that are we inviting him into our life? Are we attentive to his leading? And maybe even more, is there a readiness for us to listen and to hear his voice? And so there may be some individual things that you're seeking and understanding. God, what are you doing in my life? What do you have for my life? And maybe collectively we are asking that question, God, what are you doing in the world? Like what is happening? And, and there might be some of you here today that are thinking, well, this is just a war. This is just a conflict that, that has been going on for thousands of years. And, and you would be right in believing that. However, if we apply biblical prophecy, we recognize that what has been happening and is happening has been foretold by the prophets of God for thousands of years. And we now are beginning to see it with our very own eyes. That there is a uniqueness about the time in which we are living and how much more we have to be attentive to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not only what he wants to do in you, but what he wants to do collectively as his people as well. Jesus told a, a parable, a story that in the, in the New Testament times that, that when a, a couple were engaged or in, in, in uh, yeah, what's the word, uh, engaged to be married, right? We, we read it about even Mary and Joseph. That it wasn't always, again, standard like American process. Uh, that, that although they were betrothed one to another, that there could be a, a fairly long time lapse before the wedding actually takes place. And so it was upon the bride and her bridesmaids to be ready because the bridegroom, uh, the husband-to-be, could come at any time over the next several months uh, to prepare for the wedding. And so Jesus told the story about these bridegrooms, uh, these, these bridesmaids that, that had oil with them. And, and as the night grew on, they had been waiting and, and preparing, but, but the time had just gone on and on that they hadn't been prepared with enough oil to make it through the night. And so they asked amongst the other bridesmaids, can you spare us some of your oil? Because our, our wick, our, our candles are going out, and, and, and we need some assistance and some help. But, but the bridesmaids said, we only have enough for ourselves. And, and so they left to go get more oil. And while they were gone, Jesus said, the bridegroom came. And they missed out. And it was an analogy that one day Jesus is going to come back and that we must always, hello, we must always be ready for his return. And in that same way, we are recognizing that we are living in these darkened hours. And there are people that are crying out that maybe even from in them, within themselves, that, that, that there is not enough to recognize to face these darkened times. That is why the church has been given this moment a message to help people understand the prophetic words that are coming to pass and that we must have a response and that we must have an answer for the day in which we are living. To help people get ready because Jesus is coming. Can you say amen? That Jesus is coming and that we must be ready for his return. And again, truly, there will be people that have said, as they did in scriptural times, but we have heard about this for a long, long time. And again, I would agree with you, except today, these prophetic voices are coming more aligned than any other time in history. 
You see, I think the truth is this. Let's be honest together. We tend to be ready after something happens. You see, we come to church after we get a bad diagnosis. Hello? Come on. Oh, we have issues. We have problems. I don't like the way Pastor Jim preached. I don't like the songs. I don't like, I don't like the time. Like, we have all kinds of excuses, and then we get a bad diagnosis, and guess what? Who? Going to church this Sunday. Why? Because we tend to be ready more times than not after something happens. We pray like crazy after something has happened to us. We don't have time. We don't have the energy. We've got so many other things going on. But boy, when something happens, right, that, that traumatizes us, that comes against our family, boy, then, then we want to call. Pastor Jim, call the prayer team on our behalf. We are concerned for Israel in end times now because here it is right in front of us. Many of us have had that bridesmaid sense that we have not been ready We have not been prepared that the Lord may soon return. And we as God's people, we as a church, again, need to help people be ready. And so today I want to address some things that are happening in the world today. But before I get there, I want to give you some truth by the presence of the Holy Spirit that I believe is still available for yours and my everyday life. You see, I want you to know that we cannot become so self-absorbed about only seeking God's guidance for us is because the experiences that we go through oftentimes aren't only for us, but to help us to be a shining example of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, no matter if things are going well and maybe even more when things aren't going so well. But ultimately to recognize is that whatever we experience, that whatever we go through, that God is guiding us so that ultimately that his goodness is able to be seen in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 says, the spirit guides us so that we might do the good things that God has planned for us from a long time ago. And that these things are all a part of his plan to bring salvation to the many. And so I want you to know that God always leads. God always guides his people. And I think for those of us that have walked the journey long enough to realize that sometimes that journey can be difficult or hard. That sometimes we find ourselves in places that in our own humanity that we wish we hadn't been. But I want you to know that God is always working with you and through you so that the goodness of God, even that we sang about today, will be seen through others. And we may experience some difficult times in the world today, and I want you to know hopefully that your friends, that that the people that are outside of your church circle, that they have you, that they have somebody to ask or to seek for when we are answering the question, what in the world is going on? That there are the people of God that although we recognize that there are things that are happening around us, that God is giving us his presence in this time more than anything else. That we are not living in fear or in craziness, but our feet are firmly fixed on the foundation that God is always with his people, that God always has a message of hope and salvation that he is wanting to present to those that are lost and to those that are outside the family of God. And that we, again, always, like those ten virgins, need to be ready in the time in which we are living today. 
So how is it that the Holy Spirit, again, works? How do we move in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing is the Holy Spirit works through our renewed mind. You see, God has given us power of reason or of understanding that are to be used for his purpose. And whether we utilize that to make a medical discovery, to teach Sunday school, to discern God's will, whatever it is, we realize that God gives us understanding, certainly at salvation, that there is something larger, something bigger that we are partnering with, not my will, but that his will would be done in and through my life. I won't have time to really go very far today, but Oftentimes when people ask me the question about the will of God, I quickly want to turn them and help them to understand I believe more in the wisdom of God versus the will of God. I think over the years we have tend to believe that there is this one specific sense, this will of God, and, and if I don't get it, that I miss it. And I don't believe that's the way God operates. I think God gives us his Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about a collection of other ways that, that ultimately help us to understand the wisdom of God. And that's primarily one of the works of the Holy Spirit. He works with this renewed mind that we get when Christ comes into our life, right? I no longer think the way I used to think because I've been transformed, right? My mind is not on the things of earth, but now of the things of, of heaven, not of the things of, of flesh, but of, of the Spirit, that God is renewing me, the Bible says, day by day. And so God wants to, again, get your thinking right, onto him and in his ways and allow the wisdom of God. We're going to find that in a number of ways uh, that, that I'll explain to you. But, but whether from scripture, from people, from, from prayer, all those kind of things that work together. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this, the flesh desires. But here's a great transition. But those who live in accordance with what? With the Spirit. For those who want the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, we become guided, we become focused, we become directed in a different way. That our minds now are set on what the Spirit desires. And so collectively, we begin to understand the wisdom of God through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. That I'm not just seeking one specific line, one step after another. I realize that I walk in step with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, those who live by the Spirit are what? Are led by the Spirit of God. And so I recognize today that I'm not just trying to find the needle in the haystack. I walk in the blessed hope of what God has done for me, that my mind is being renewed day by day, that I'm trusting more. I'm getting direction from his word. I'm getting direction from my pastor. I'm getting direction from my small group. I'm getting direction from my one-on-one -on -one connections with my other brothers and sisters of the Lord. And together, it's establishing the peace of God in my life to understand his wisdom of what he's asked me to do. Does that make sense to you today? And so again, the truth of the wisdom of God helps me to understand that I must, first of all, be in step with the presence of God, with the, with the Holy Spirit. And that's why, again, why we gather. That's why we come to church. Uh, again, we're not going through ritualistic things here. We're building a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he enables us to have. Second of all, the Holy Spirit works through Scripture, works through divine word. The Bible is our reliable yardstick by which we measure these ideas, plans, and actions. I want you to know that the Spirit will never contradict Scripture. 
Okay, so although we are living by the wisdom of God, you might say, well, Pastor Jim, what if, again, people give me unsound wisdom? Well, we always have a reliable yardstick to go against whatever anyone says to me. I know I tend to be maybe more on the giving end for you, but I've had people, again, come and, quote, give me a word from God, right? And my first reaction is, man, I'm open to receive, but it better line up with the word of God or I'm not going to listen to that. That is always the ultimate standard for my life. You see, reason alone, our our mind is wonderful and enables some spiritual discernment, but it needs to work in context of God's word, again, our Christian community, to help provide divine guidance for our life. So here's what I want you to know about how the Holy Spirit renews our mind through the power of his word, is that scripture, I believe, is the primary source for divine guidance in our life. That's why we call it the living word. Somebody say yes with me today. So again, why is it important for us to discern the times in which we are living? Why do we, again, invoke the prophetic and and understand what is happening in our world? Because God's word is living and abiding and giving us direction, helping us to understand not only his wisdom, but his will for our life as well. We know that the scriptures, they guide us corporately, Right, We follow the Ten Commandments. It gives us instruction on how we worship. It unveils for us the spiritual gifts through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how it is to be done with order and in control. There are over 50 what we term one another phrases like we are to love one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to pray for one another. The scriptures help us corporately to understand the will and the wisdom of God in our life as well as it does for us personally. But we recognize that we, again, need to invoke these same truths that as we read God's word that we apply them properly to our life as well. And sometimes when we're on our own or maybe we're new to this, that can be a little bit dicey. And rather, again, why we offer some of our Bible Institute classes or our training classes is to help you rightly define the Word of God so that it can work powerfully in your life. I heard the story of one guy that really didn't get a lot of training, and so he saw his Bible, this big book, and so he thought maybe the Holy Spirit would just kind of uh, uh, enable him, almost like maybe I'll call it Bible roulette, all right? So he took his Bible and he just started thumbing through the pages like, and he stopped on a page and he, like, this has got to be a promise of God for me. And so he looked down and right where he put his finger, the Bible said, Judas went out and hung himself. And the guy thought, well, that doesn't sound very good. Let's try that one more time. And so he opened his Bible and he spun through the pages and he stopped and he put his finger down there, again, seeking out this direction, this wisdom of God that you're going to speak to me right now. And he pointed his finger down, and the Bible says, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> well, how many know the story's not getting any better, right? And he thought, well, maybe two out of three, right? Let's give this one more shot. And he th- did it again, thumbed through, put his finger down, and it said, whatever thou art going to do, do it quickly, Right? <laughs> So I think if I gave you that example, if that's going to be your Bible training, how many would say, Pastor Jim, I want to take another class, right? I want to get a little different on that. And so we recognize that although God uses Scripture 
as his primary source of, of direction for our life, that it has to be rightly discerned, right? That, that we can't be flippant about trying to seek the wisdom or the will of God, that we understand how then, not only do we read, but how do we understand and apply then the, the scriptures to our life to give us a spirit and a direction of wisdom, but maybe the most important for the time in which we are living in today is that we recognize the Holy Spirit guides us by people and by the prophetic. This certainly was his primary way in the Old Testament. The role of the prophet was vital in leading God's people. Whenever they lost the, the divine direction of, of Moses or we realize the beginning of Israel through Abraham, through these, these patriarchs of the faith, that, that as other leaders that, that were there called to lead the people, whether by way of judges or of kings that we read through the history of, of Israel about, is that God always had prophets to give divine direction. Now, some of the kings used them very wisely, and a lot of the kings used them very foolishly. Some tried to use them for their own gain, and it cost them dearly. Some would not listen, or some would go after them time and time again, only in hopes that they were going to finally profess or give a prophetic word that would enable them to do what they wanted to do. And again, many times they were disappointed. In fact, God gave some of the prophets in the Old Testament, a, a, a very difficult role in helping them to try to, to describe to the people, sometimes by word and oftentimes by action, what, what the relationship of, of God in heaven was to them and what the divine direction would be for them in that time and day. But today, in addition to Scripture, the Holy Spirit speaks to us audibly through teachers, pastors, Friends, hold on now, sometimes even your husband or your wife, huh? In connection with Scripture, today in the light of the prophetic word and the time that we are living in, that God also gives this living presence of people and the prophetic to help us. It's through the wisdom and counsel of others, maybe brothers and sisters in Christ, that we also receive the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the direction of the Holy Spirit, a confirmation of what we are sensing that God is doing in our life. Again, why I believe it is so important, why we gather together as the body of Christ. That, again, it's not always for selfish purpose, but it's an opportunity for us to be able to utilize that to others that are in this same community. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. That we not stop coming to church as some are now in the habit of doing. Wow. Talk about maybe the Bible becoming real in our everyday life right now. Hello? But we are to encourage one another. And here's the part. And all the more, all of that, that he just talked about. And now, even all the more, as you see the day approaching. Say the day with me. The day. So maybe you're asking, well, Pastor, what is the day? 
So the writer of Hebrews to say, listen, it is important more now than ever that we are encouraging one another in recognizing to know the will and the wisdom of God. That we need one another to do that. That we need the church as a collective body to help us to do that. For God to speak through your pastor, for God to speak through your training, your teaching, your understanding, for God to to reveal a prophetic word for us to help us to understand why. Because there is a day that is coming that we need to be ready for. So the question is then, pastor, what day is approaching? I'm glad you asked. The early church was convinced that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. When we read through the New Testament account, they were, they were living as if Jesus, we call it the rapture, the, 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 the coming up of the church in the end times, that, that it could happen any day. They believed that they were going to live and work and pray and serve for Jesus because today could be the very last day that we spend on earth. They were believing Jesus' words, but it was yet to be fulfilled, listen, with the prophetic word that has still been going on and now is coming into light again today in which the days in which we are living. They had those prophetic words. They were part of the Old Testament word, but they did not apply those things because there were things that were yet to come to pass. They were believing for Jesus to come back, but there was an unseen part that was yet to be played out. And I want you to hear my words today, friends. We are living in some of those unseen times that, that Paul and Peter and John were not able to walk through, that you and I are walking through them today. So not only do we have the power in the word of Scripture, but we have the, the word of the prophetic starting to all come together to give us an understanding about what is about to happen in our world today. Rabbi Jason Sobel, as well as now other prominent church leaders, have explained that we are not only living in a time of perceived earthly World War III that seems to be brewing in the Middle East, but a cosmic war that will end all wars, and that being of the spirit realm. Some have helped us to understand that this spirit, we're hearing about Hamas, that the spirit of Hamas has been written about in the Genesis account as it was in the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6.13 says this, God looked at the world in the days of Noah and he saw a world that was filled with Hamas. A world filled with violence. And God was grieved that he had even made man and he brought the flood upon the earth. This word Hamas in the Hebrew is described to us as violence. And the connection was as it was in the days of Noah. And every time we see this sense of Hamas, of this violence in Scripture, it is always in the context of annihilation. Not just a skirmish, not just a battle, but an ultimate warfare to complete 
annihilation. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said, in the things that were about to take place, in this spirit of Hamas, that as it was, Jesus said this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man comes again. So not only do we have the Old Testament prophets that are speaking and unveiling things for us today, but Jesus himself says, Listen, the the Bible is clear that that we are not going to know the exact moment time. That's foolishness for for people that predict and and establish on a particular day or a particular hour. The Bible doesn't say that. And Jesus, again, gave us the story of the virgins to say there is not going to be a moment that we need to be what? Ready. When? Always. Say it again. Always be ready. But we see signs and indications that that the bridegroom, that the king is about to come. And Jesus said, listen, as the sense of annihilation was going to take place as it did in the days of Noah, there is going to be an annihilation that's going to take place that will precipitate or give you understanding as to when the Son of God, the Son of Man, is about to return. This day is approaching, is the one that will pit the Holy Spirit again, not World War III alone, but a cosmic spiritual battle as well. A day, the day, that will pit the Holy Spirit against the supreme demonic spirit, which is Satan. The end times will receive what the Bible has already called the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's exactly what it sounds like. That not only will there be an earthly tribulation that will be taking place, but it will be directed by a cosmic spiritual battle between God and Satan. That representation on earth will be seen or known as the Antichrist. Again, I realize that for some of you, and maybe, again, somewhat not fully understanding as I should to recognize, some of you grew up maybe never hearing a divine or direct teaching on the prophetic about what the Bible says. And yet, maybe we talk about it or you hear it here at at real life, but you grew up in a church where it was never addressed. It, It was never brought to you. And so maybe it's a little overwhelming for you today. Maybe you don't know what to do with all of these pieces. So let me help you, guide you a little bit in this direction and understanding. I guess if we would talk about the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of Hamas, what else would describe the form of violence that we are seeing directed in our world today and certainly towards God's people? I mean, listen, even when news, ungodly news directors are speaking about the atrocities that are happening towards humanity and happening to Israel in this way of talking it being mind-boggling, of not being able to, to get our minds. Where we hear this, that the, the desire of the spirit of Hamas is to what? Wipe Israel off the face of the earth. As it was in the days of Noah, this sense of violence, of, of anti-God, this anti-Christ spirit, the Bible says, Jesus said, so it will be in the days in which I come again. Throughout the Old Testament, the Amalekites were a people that were in constant war with the people of Israel. When God had given them release out of Egypt, it was the Amalekites who were on them constantly throughout the wilderness journey, always trying to wipe them out, always trying to to, to kill them. The people of the Amalekites, they were the descendants of Esau. 
We realize that Isaac was the son of the covenant of Abraham, Father Abraham. And Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob came out as a deceiver. Jacob came out wrong of a twin, his brother Esau. They could have not been more closely linked together. They were complete opposites. But in a moment of of change, of repentance, of a a face-to-face with God, Jacob, his heart was transformed. His life was changed by the presence of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. And God said that as it happened in other times in the Old Testament, that with a heart change would come a name change. And Jacob was no longer called Jacob, but he was called Israel. And because of the war that had existed between him and his older brother Esau, there was hatred from Esau to Jacob, but what continued to be hatred from Esau to Israel. And this divide continued to grow. Esau had a son named what came from and birthed the Amalekites. And it was this hatred that was born between these two brothers that have continued to this day. You might remember the story of Moses standing on the mountain where he needed Aaron and Hur to lift up his arms while Joshua was down in the valley fighting. And when, when Moses' hands grew weary, the, 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 the other army was, was over whelming Israel, and so he needed the, the two men to hold up his arms, and, and as they held up his arms, that again, Joshua and the children of Israel gained strength and position. Do you know who they were fighting in the valley? It was the Hamliakites. It was a war that would try to end all humanity. The Amalekites, again, wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, and Moses was growing tired and needed the assistance of those that surrounded him. And we realize today that in the church, in this spiritual battle that is going on, listen, if you're not praying for your pastor and spiritual leaders, then you need to ask God to help you. Because again, we are in a spiritual warfare where our leaders need to be lifted up, where the power and the word of God is gonna be rightly sent out and established so people are ready for the day. Hello? I don't have to ask you to pray for me, do I? That was pretty weak. I'll give that to you. That was pretty weak. And so as Moses' arms were lifted up, Joshua again was able to prevail in the battle. The Lord said this to Moses in Exodus 17. Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it as well, knowing that there is going to be a lineage in which this word, this prophetic word needs to stay in your ears and in your heart. Because one day I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under the heavens. So God said, these that stand against my name, Israel, one day Again, this spirit of Hamas was always about annihilation. They have come against me, but God says, remind not only you as the leader, but Joshua, who will take over for you, and those who will take over from him, that one day the spirit of God is going to come, and we will wipe the spirit of Amalek off the face of the earth. Now let me take you to the book of Esther. Again, some of you that hopefully, if, if this is new to you, that that you can do some. I, again, unfortunately, I don't have all the time in the world today, but, but for those of you that have been in church, let me, let me kind of continue the thread. 
You'll remember the whole story of Esther is that, again, Israel was taken in captivity, in bondage, and that the king was looking for a bride, and, and her uncle, Mordecai, again, was pushing Esther that maybe you were born for such a time as this, to somehow speak on behalf of the people of Israel. But the king had a number two man that, that was with him. His name was Haman, and he was bent and fully desired to wipe Israel, these people, off the face of the earth. And you can read it throughout the story. And God gave a direction for Esther to go to the king and stand before the people of God so that they would not be killed. Everything that Haman had plotted. He was a Persian. And oftentimes I've called him Haman, but as I have studied this week, his name could have been pronounced Haman which is a direct correlation to this spirit of violence against God's people that we know today as Hamas. The story unfolds his plot that he was trying to wipe the people of Israel off the face of the earth. You see, the Amalekites settled in the old world that we would call Persia, which happens to be the modern-day Iran. And out of Iran, it is they who boldly proclaim the spirit of Haman, the spirit of Hamas, to this very day to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. I want you to see the connection not only of the voice of people, but of the voice of the prophetic that has helped us to understand and to discern the day that is soon to come. The Bible tells us in Revelation that in, again, the end of time, that there will be four kingdoms that will rise for this final battle. One that will be a physical, but one that will rage in the spirit world as well. These kings, through the prophetic word, again, what, what the early church, again, expecting, thinking, the, the second coming, the, the, the rapture of the church, Jesus coming, would, would certainly have been the passion of their heart. We want to be with Jesus, but the fulfillment of these prophetic words would not have been fulfilled in 50 A.D. or 70 A.D. But now what was blurred 2,000 years ago, what was still blurred 50 years ago, is beginning to come into razor focus like never before. Many have believed that these four kingdoms, that the king to the north would be Russia, because the Bible says that they will make an agreement, a pact with Persia. Who is Persia? Iran. Do we see that in our world today? Absolutely. Do we see that within this last year, these last three years? Absolutely. The kings to the south would be Egypt and the Arab Islamic forces. The king of the east to be China, a military superpower that neither fears or respects humanity, but only its desire to dominate the world. We stand at a very precocious time that even now the U.S. dollar has been the standard of the economy and China is doing everything it possibly can to subserviate that and to see an economic collapse in our world. And just a little sidebar. Just... A lot of people are wondering, Pastor, how, you know, like, we're not going to buy into this. Like, how is this going to happen? Listen, unfortunately, we are often like 
foolish lambs to the slaughter. I mean, I think some of us are smart enough to recognize and, and hear all the news, the, the TikTok thing. Of everything that I read, hopefully everything that you understand is, is right out of China. And all the logarithms and everything that they're doing. Listen, they, they do those things differently in Europe than they do in America. There is an agenda. And yet, you are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, it's all funny until the trap slaps closed. This isn't just happening in the moment. This is an agenda of annihilation. Some of these cities are patient. Like, I, I'm probably scare some of you in some of these statements, but hopefully we're all grown-ups to understand. I'm not, I, I don't want to say anything of, of the politics part of it, but you have to somehow reason that our open borders in these last years are pouring in people from all over the world that have an agenda to bring annihilation and the spirit of Hamas around the world. Wherever there is an opening, wherever there is a door, and we recognize that they are willing to wait to see it happen. And we need to understand these times in which we are living. This king of the east, the Bible calls the east in translation, the land of the sun rising. We realize today, we didn't see it 50 years ago, maybe had an inkling or would have never known 100 years ago, but now them and their heart's desire along with Russia to, to, to kick the U.S. out of being the main democratic superpower that honors as best we can. I know we're on some shaky ground, but, but at least our, our dogma on that of, of human rights and, and, and that of, of democracy is about to be abolished maybe before our very eyes. The Bible tells us in Revelation that this king of the east will be able to amass an army of 200 million soldiers. Would you like to guess today that who has the largest army in the world? China. Currently over 2 million, but in a country of 1 billion, how easy to amass an army of 200 million. Maybe you've heard some articles recently about the Tigris and Euphrates River drying up. You say, where have I heard that term of the, the Euphrates River and the Tigris River? Well, you can go back to Genesis chapter 2 when it talked about even the Garden of Eden, that land of, of, of the Middle East. The Bible says in Genesis 2, the name of the third river is the Tigris and that which runs along the east side of Asher and the fourth river is the Euphrates. If we go back to Revelation chapter 16, John in his revelation saw this coming calamity in our world. Not only an earthly battle, this battle of Armageddon, maybe some of you have heard this. Again, this desire of a world war that would end. Someone looking to dominate the world. Not necessarily a war to destroy the earth. Listen, God has that on his calendar, not man's calendar. But this battle is to provide complete domination of God's creation of his beloved here on earth. And John in his revelation on three separate occasions had these bowls, these trumpets, these, these ideas of the calamity that was about to come. And, and here's what you need to know. Again, so much here to unpack. But 
but every one that was unpacked was just simply the next one was worse than the previous one. And so there were three separate scenes that John the Revelator saw. He saw these trumpets that were unleashing the, 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 the express of God's power in a destructive way. And, and each one of those seven was worse than the, the, the previous one. And in Revelation chapter 16, he talks about the bowl of God's fury and wrath. If you can think like a soup bowl that's filled to the brim and, and we have to walk it into our living room, right? We're just like, you realize every step, this stuff is just pouring out. And, and so John was trying to articulate to us what, what all of this is meaning and this bowl of God's fury, that the next one is going to be worse than the previous one. And in Revelation 16, it says, Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up. So it would prepare the way for the king of the east to China. Listen, go on your Google Maps today. If you draw a straight line from China to Israel, that line goes right through Iraq. Right across the Euphrates and Tigris River. Listen, are all of these things specifically one-on-one -on -one enough to help us to promote the idea of the end times? Maybe, maybe so. But collectively, do they start to help us to understand that the day is soon approaching? The day where all of these things, listen, there will continually be prophetic and biblical understanding to say, are we going to be here? Is the rapture going to, all those kind of things. Listen, that can be for another Sunday or another time, but what I need to leave with you today is that this biblical prophetic word is becoming into a razor focus today more than ever before, and that you and I need to be ready for this day. These signs, I can tell you, I've been doing this for a long time. There is some trust and understanding. Hopefully, how many of you are going to go have surgery? You would rather have a doctor, right, that has done that surgery for 30 years versus this is his first day on the job, right? I mean, we'd kind of like, okay, like, hey, if, if they were going to like maybe lance, you know, like a, a wart or something, like, all right, I'll give them a shot. But if you're going to have major heart surgery, how many are going to go for the 30-year vet, right? Like, hey, this might be your first day, but this might be my last day, right? So let's kind of get this figured out. So what I want you to hear from me today is, is that obviously in these last 30 years of ministry for me, that what was still blurred over the years is coming into focus more and more Every day. I'm going to ask Adrian and the band. They're going to come and help me. I guess I want to finish with you today in some sense. For those of you that have maybe heard was a church before, that, that you've been in church, and maybe you grew up in it where, where there was a church talking about the prophetic, talking about, again, the truth, the, 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 the scarlet cord that we find from the Old Testament through the words of Jesus to John the Revelator to you and I today that there are some signs and wonders and some things that we must be prepared for. Listen, when we hear about some of these things, even that were never discussed or never heard before, and then we get a chance to look back, the spirit of Hamas is new to us in, in many respects. 
And yet when we have an opportunity to unpack it, to realize that it's been with us for a long, long time. And it's always been about the annihilation of Israel, of God's people. Listen, we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for those that are suffering and hurting in the Middle East. But more than anything else, we need to pray for God's wisdom. Can I tell you, God not only wrote a lot of it out and gave to us through the prophetic word, God has a plan. God has a plan. And so we live in seeking to know him. How do we know him? How do we know his plan for us, for the church, for our world? It's through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That he gives us the wisdom. He gives us his word. He gives us the prophetic that we ultimately work and we piece together so that we are people of God, righteously, holy, in this struggling time to have a voice for righteousness. To have a voice for holiness. To have a voice for people to be prepared and get ready. Listen, I want you to gonna faith that what may happen when this world ends is gonna face about eternity for each and every one of us. And we have got to be determined, do I know about where my eternity is going to be? Jesus, again, helped us to understand there is only two locations. We're either going to be followers of him and help to be following his word, his presence, to have his Holy Spirit in us, or do we realize that we will spend eternity apart from God? As much as we are seeing the reality of God's word coming to pass in our world today, can I tell you, his eternal word is just as true. His eternal word is just as true. And so I want, first of all, to pray with you and maybe pray over you. Maybe some of you today need to pray to say, Maybe my heart has not been right. Maybe again, there have been issues or again, you are staying away from church or for whatever of the thousands of reasons there could be. Can I tell you today, we are not living in a time to live as unto us. It is a time for us to live as unto Christ and Him alone. That His will, His wisdom is what drives us enables us, empowers us now more than ever before. I want to challenge you if we put some percentage to it. Listen, if you're, if you're living for Christ like 50%, man, I'm sorry about that. If you're just kind of checking in and checking out, I'm sorry for that. In fact, I might even be so bold enough to say, I, I pray for you. You see, we always want to get right when after. Listen, I've, I've seen it for 30 years. You're great to do all your own thing, live your own life, but then once it happens, whoa, I better get right now. Listen, when, again, this is going to be a little old school, when did most of us start wearing our seatbelt after that fatal near miss that we had? Whoa, but guess what? We only wore it for how long? couple of months till the effect, till the fear factor wore off and it was back to our old ways. I guess I'm here to tell you there aren't many going back moments that any of us are going to have. Time is running out. And I would challenge you today, listen, if you're not where you need to be with God, you need to get right with God. 
You say, Pastor, how do I do that? You simply say, God, I need to get right with you. I need this Holy Spirit that Pastor Jim is talking about. I need to ask Christ to come into my life and to help guide and direct me. Again, you can trust your ways or you can trust someone who's been at it for a long, long time. Hopefully someone who's built some time and reputation to say, I'm not here for me. We're here for you. Don't let another moment go by. Don't be so foolish to think that, well, it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. And regardless, if you and I live long enough and this doesn't happen, guess what? You and I are still going to face eternity. It's just a matter of when. And so I want to pray with you, first of all, that... If you don't know Jesus today, if you haven't come to a real moment to ask him into your life, then I'm going to ask you simply to, that's all the prayer you need to make. I say, Christ, I need you to come into my life and I need you to help to transform my mind, transform my heart. I need to know you more. That's why you're coming to church. That's why you're here because we want to help you to do that. And I want to pray second of all that we as the collection of the church, that we be people of God with a voice and a message in these end times. That you have the, you say, well, Pastor Jim, I didn't grow up this way. I don't know how all the pieces. Do you remember what we talked about? The Holy Spirit is able to bring back to our remembrance that which we have been invested in by his word. So trust him in that. Some of these guys that I talk to in the morning, we try to, you know, just kind of skirt the ideas of politics, religion, whatever, because those are things that often divide us rather than bringing us together. But God spoke to me so strongly on Monday morning last week. I've joked in a sense to say these guys are so much older than me. In reality, none of us know what time we have, but if we played the numbers, they're, they're closer to eternity than I am. And God just spoke to me to say, Jim, listen, you, you don't have to be brash and bold, but you need to introduce the understanding of the times in which we are living to lost people. You need to make them aware that what we are seeing is not just something of earth. It is something of the Spirit. And you need to have a voice into the souls of humanity. Not just inside the walls of real life, but outside of our walls. God, give us power, faith, boldness. To help people know the day, the day is coming.